Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redman. Good morning, Patrick. Fantastic to be here as per usual. Redman, I've, um, I've had a great week this week. It started off. Straight off the block then? Straight off the bat. Well, have you ever just decided, and I did ask my wife before I did it, have you ever just decided to go to the cinemas by yourself? Um, (laughs) Because I'd had a a big Monday and I'm like, we've had team review, cats have had a good wing, terrific, et cetera, et cetera. And I just needed some some time to myself. So I messaged my wife and said, I'm going to be home a little later, a few things on. I book myself into uh, Top Gun. I get my Pepsi Max, some Maltesers, and a medium-sized popcorn. Didn't go the large popcorn because uh, of Kane's feedback last week. The great Kane corn. So went the, went the medium poppy, and uh, and proceeded to have probably the best two hours and seventeen minutes possibly imaginable. Cinema by yourself, the new Top Gun flick, which is electrifying. And it was just brilliant. Have you ever just gone to the cinemas by yourself? So you're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no. I thought you would think midday sort of cinema experience <laughs> there'd be no, no one else there. Oh, she was packed, mate. <laughs> packed with with 30-year-old to sort of 60-year-olds. Caters for everyone. <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> it was unbelievable that, and think- it was just sort of one of those treats. I think anyone in the generation of, I guess, I guess anyone roughly around your age, my age, our generation, got forced to watch Top Gun as a kid. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there was many well people that didn't. You don't need to be forced to see this the the uh, the sequel, Redmond, because I think it's the greatest sequel that that, that cinema's ever experienced. No, Godfather Part Two, <laughs> you know. Jaw, nah, probably Jaws 2 is probably in the top five. But it was a cinema experience like few others, phenomenal. Just a little bit of, um, you know, sometimes you just find yourself taking an extra hour to get home. You wander the sort of aisles at Bunnings. But I took it one step further and decided to go to the cinemas by myself. What How's is your week? 
I don't, I don't even know where to go from this. I'm not sure whether to go into the drone fishing in Hawaii, my week in fishing, or into VFA. Do you, where would you like to go, Patrick? Because you've literally thrown me off course here with a bit of Top Gun of the movies after the Cats win. Uh, Are you saying that you've never you've never done anything like that? I'd be interested, Patrick, I'll for, be for those listening, that have you ever just decided, I need some time to myself and said to the, the better half that I'm going to be a, a few hours later this afternoon, and whether you're wandering the aisles at Bunnings, you've decided to drop in a mitre 10, you've gone down a tackle world, Anaconda, or you may have even booked yourself into the cinemas, enjoyed some poppy, a little bit of Maltesers and a Pepsi Max. I actually can't do anything by myself. I am... I am. I'm the complete. I have. You are actually. That's I true. Do stuff with. I always have to have people over dinner. I have to go somewhere. I always have to. If I go into the shops, hey Kane, you want to come with me? Or you have it? like a separation anxiety. That's yeah, true. I, I, I'm very inclusive. That's what. <laughs> I don't know. I've never done anything by myself, and I go to the cinemas. And I get in trouble for talking to me mate next to me. Yeah, you don't really have the attention span, do you? No, I've got attention span is like an ant. So I don't even know if ants have very big attention spans, but Tippinger can't be that big. Anyway, something that you're right right into is drone fishing. Well, you used to be into it. You haven't done it for a long time because I don't know why. You just haven't done it for a long time. But you did go through a phase of doing this, and it has taken off in Australia. I know Western Australia, this is massive drone fishing. We've got massive snapper. They catch off WA. You head down a 90-mile beach. You've got big sharks. They're dropping baits out with with these drones. They're carrying big shark baits, wire tracers, so you don't have to get in your kayak anymore or your canoe and paddle out your your baits and whatnot. But something that you and I found on social media during the week, that in Hawaii, they're actually looking at uh, banning drone fishing in general, so completely banning it. But yeah, also, I found this fascinating. Also, in America or United States, I should say, drone fishing is completely illegal. You are not allowed to drone fish in the United States at all. What are your thoughts on this? Well, because it's something that's not hugely prevalent here. I mean, we've done this when we've when we've been out tuna fishing. All of a sudden, you put up a drone. We have, we've only done it a few times, but how quickly you can cover a huge area of water and because you're viewing it from above you can quickly locate the schools and it's a little tougher for you and i and those sort of in you know south australian victorian waters and and certainly the west where you've got you know decent winds and we know we have winds all around the all around the country but particularly through the winter periods we'll get some some pretty um horrendous wind that does that does change things because it, it is a little bit harder to launch. It's harder to retrieve, particularly if you've got rocket launchers set up. So we don't see a huge amount of it in Australia. But it is if you've got the time and you've got, you know, put the effort into actually learning how to control them, it's a game changer in terms of locating the fish schools. Well, it is a game changer, but the, the argument here is that it's going to affect targeted, uh, endangered species because people can target certain species. Like, for example, I'm using the Hawaii example that we've read in the article. You've got the lemur fish and you've got the opia, which is they're two opi or however you want to pronounce it. Opia, some people say opi. They're two, they're the same fish, but people, they're, they're not a fish that you can find as such with a boat. You need to be up high to see how to see these fish. Now, yeah, yeah. that's all good, but the drone. But the argue, the other argument, and I actually read the comments below the in below the article in itself, and it stated that why would you ban something that has very limited people doing for a start? There's not it's yeah. not a large amount of people doing. Not only that, it's not like you and I are going to go out and catch one of these fish. Now I'm just as just just to put an example out there. 
not like you and I are going to put an example out there, then all of a sudden people can just go buy thousands and thousands of dollars worth of drones because they are pricey. They are pricey, let's be honest. The good ones that you need to drop these big baits and whatnot, they're pricey. You mechanisms, yep, that, that, you, that you, you have to add to it. Exactly. And then not only that, you need to have the skill to be able to drive the bloody thing and then be able to actually find the fish on the day. It's not I, I don't think it should be banned in the slightest. I think it's a I think the odd person's doing it. I think it's cool that people are doing it. And if we see some cool fish being caught, then it's part of, I guess, fishing. Uh, I, I don't see why it should be banned. No, I completely agree. Hey, the VFA have stocked another thousand brown trout into Lake Eildon now. We spoke last week on the show with school holidays coming up. Make sure you check from state to state where your local fisheries authority are starting um, and have been stocking at different, um, you know, freshwater venues because it's a great way to really get a bit of a head start in terms of getting your kids into fishing. Did you know last year Lake Ilden was stocked with more than one million fish? Uh, record I do now, Remy. What do you do now? And well, guess what? There's plans to release another 150,000 browns, another 50,000 rainbows, and another 500,000 cod and 400,000 yellows. So as I'm going to quote it, that's a lot of fish in just two years. That's what <laughs> they've said. So I guess and – And it is. It's quite amazing. I actually stocked a friend's um, few dams three years ago, and they were probably three inches long when we purchased them. These were uh, rainbow trout, and within three years, they were all six-pound plus. It is incredible how fast these fish grow in the right ecosystem, and quite clearly, these places where they're released, um, they're, they're really good ecosystems for, for fish, and, and the growth rates are going to be really high. So with this continual stocking, it, it just, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant thing for wreck anglers, and particularly those, if, you, if you're looking to get into fishing, they're really accessible um, and they're, they're very much catchable. So uh, it's a great thing, Redmond. Uh, while we're on the freshwater side of things, Pat, just to throw it out there quickly, Murray Cray season opens yes. on the 1st of June. So please check your rules, regulations. They've got certain size limits. If they've got babies and whatnot, jump onto the Vic Fish app and make sure you do check exactly where you're fishing because in certain areas you can do certain things. So make sure you do check exactly the equipment you need also for when you're targeting these fish. Uh, because they are, well, when I say fish, crustaceans, I should say, because they're a beautiful eating species and they're really fun to catch, especially with the kids and whatnot, and watch out for their uh, their claws because they are ruthless. The big nippers. Hey, the Sydney Boat Show, the Sydney International yes. Boat Show, tickets are on sale now. This is the first time since 2019, Redmond. Uh, it's 25 bucks a ticket, which is a $3 price increase, but first time in threes, you'd imagine it's going to be pretty popular. I reckon you're onto something in a way, but I reckon I'm going to You don't think it's going to be popular? Are people still scared of COVID? Are people – is there going to be enough stock there? I don't know. I, I, I hope it's popular because I'd love to go to it. I'm not worried about the COVID side of things. I, I'm trying to get past it and live our life as we should. Uh, but is it? There's a fair bit of outdoors there, but it's a lot of indoors too. And also the stocking levels of – we're still in – like I'm trying to organise another engine for my boat at the moment through Mercury, and I'm struggling. Well, so we had um, – Stock's going to play a role in this, Pat. We had uh, Scott Fury on last week talking about his new 660 Fury Smuggler. And the biggest challenge that they're facing at the moment is engines. And one of yeah, the reasons so – is- Yeah, because he's got obviously he's got the twenty eights, which are a beautiful boat, um, but run you know high horsepower yeah, yeah. and twins. The beauty of the, his 
660, you run a 250 on a six and a half meter boat and it still hits 47 knots. So it's almost been luck for Scott in, in many ways that, all right, perfect. I've, I've gone with this boat. It actually needs less horsepower and in an economy where it's bloody difficult to get motors, that makes a big difference. And being Australia, the massive country we are, we are the minority of the world. We are last to get anything. And so, that's you're spot on. Like that's one of our biggest challenges. That just globally, we're just not as important as other other marketplaces. I, I really hope this boat show kicks off because it's gonna. I think it'll. I think this Sydney one will set the platform for the Melbourne boat show, which they're planning to have roughly in October, from what I know. Uh, which I, I really hope these do take off because. As a kid, it was literally like, Dad, come on, let's go to the fishing boat show, boat show, fishing show. Like, come on, I really want to go. It's a great family thing. You can go look at boats. It's you can, awesome. Exactly. And I just, I, I, I don't know, I'm a bit funny like with what goes on, what's going to happen with it, but I really hope that it's a blinder and we can report um, that I was wrong and it does take off. Uh, your week in fishing, let's get to it. It's well, been, Antarctica. Uh, it's Antarctica arrived. frosty. <laughs> we are oh, actually catching polar penguins, and ice fish. So it's uh, it's been a shocking week, Pat. It, I headed down to Port Mac on the end. Well, it hasn't been a shocking week. It's just been a very, very cold <laughs> week. It has been cold. It's just like it's – oh, I did a bit of night fishing. I sent you a photo. Well, not night fishing, late evening fishing into the dark and – Oh my god! It was so. It was no wind, but I, it was so bloody cold. Like I have not worn a jacket for that long. I wish I had thermals on. I wore a couple of jumpers and my jacket. I was. I just couldn't even touch bait or whatnot. But I head down to Port Mac. I got a couple of gummies that night, which was good. I headed down to Port Mac to chase those barrel bluefin tuna, and they went really well. They're going absolutely ballistic, and we'll talk more about them in the report a bit later Getting on. some incredible reports on, you know, 130s plus and, oh. and multiple hookups. Like, it's quite astonishing. If you've got the time, energy, and effort to travel down, depending on where you are uh, around the country, it's the best it's the fishing mecca at the moment. Well, this time last year, it was uh, Apollo Bay, Pat. Remember, I was travelling out yep. 70, 80, 90 kilometres. That's where the, the majority of the fish chose to hold. This year, it's looking like it's going to stay at Port Mac. These fish are not moving, and they're not going to move in a hurry with the amount of red bait that he's holding there. You've got yakas as well. So the fish aren't yep. going to move. If you head down to Lakes Entrance and Malakuta Wave, East Victoria, uh, the sword fishing out there is out of control. We've got Lockie Nichols in the show today talk a little bit about Tassie sword fishing and whatnot coming up. But the sword fishing out of there has been sensational as bycatch, big barrel bluefin out of there also. Uh, Western Port's been fishing really well for whiting. They've been on fire over there. Port Phillip's been really, really good too. So there's plenty, plenty happening right around the state of Victoria at the moment. And that's before we get into our whip around after the break of the whole country, Pat. Looking forward to that, Redmond. And as you said, we're catching up with Locking Nichols, who runs a, a branch hard business out of Tassie and around Eagle Hawk. Necky fishes and some of his captures over the last couple of months have been quite simply spectacular. All that and more coming your way this morning on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country. Redmond, let's head to New South Wales. Those yellow fin are getting a bit thicker and thicker, Patrick. We're starting to see them really turn up now, which is good to see. Lures and obviously the stick bait methods uh, right up to sort of Sydney way to Wollongong area. So they've been showing up through there too from Burmese. So uh, good to see. A few marlins still caught out of Burmese during the week, which is a bit odd, but not odd. Just if the water's right, then they're going to be there. So 
simple game in that in that method of fishing because the bait's there, the current's there. You'll always hold those predators, and the marlin are obviously one of those. And if there's going to be one stripe, traditionally there's going to be a couple more. So don't be afraid to uh, check out any bait balls that you see if you are off the east coast of New South Wales and throw a live in because there's a good chance of a marlin. The Taylor and Benito have been landed right through the Sydney Harbour this week, uh, metal lures and soft plastics. And your favourite, Pat, Botany Bay has produced some seriously good EPs right up the top of that waterway there. And I know how much you love catching an EP or two. I actually caught a couple of EPs during the week. I had a little report Righto. from my cousin that, um, yeah, I did. Where yeah, did went, Well, there's a local coffee shop down in the areas in Lenton. There's a little corner down there. I don't want to give too much away, but um, ah. just just casting a few lures in there. It was just beautiful. So give too for much half away. You are a prick. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I know we're yeah, we're about giving in this show, but um, you know I'm not going to go into any more detail now. But um, <laughs> South Australia, let's talk about Victor Harbour, Redmond. Yeah, east uh, east of Victor Harbour, there's a massive patch of school tuna right now that's willing to take basically any skirted lure that you throw out from that six inch, three inch, four inch. You're not having to work too hard, uh, which is making things easy to get a feed of fish, which is always great. But not only that, the catch and release side of it's really fun. You can run your single hooks. Take the trebles off if you're running divers and you'll be able to release these fish. And they're right up to 20 kilos, so really good fish. Now, Port Mac, Pat, we mentioned it off the top of the show, but Port Mac is, without a doubt, the barrel capital right now. It is on fire. It cannot get any better. Lures, baits, bait balls, all sorts of methods are working. But if you head down there and you do, say, two, three days fishing, which I recommend, I don't recommend ever doing one, two to three – I, I usually aim to do two, one day, one the day before, which is my research day, and hopefully get one or two fish. And then the next day is sort of the day you go out in the morning, you're ready to go, bang, you get a fish, and then I sort of go home. So that's how I plan my day. But I highly recommend fishing three days. Uh, it, it is literally on fire. People are getting two to three to four to five bites a day. And I'm not talking like bites as in you get a bite. I'm talking fighting a fish, you might land three. Bodie landed four out of five fish during the week, and you got you fighting these fish for somewhat up to two hours at a time. So it, it, it's very, very good fishing. And make sure you work these bait balls correctly. Get your lot. Try and catch a live bait if possible. Get your red bait and scoop them up. Catch a yakker or two off the bottom if you sound them up. And please try and get your baits into the middle of the bait ball. Throw it in. Let it sink down, and then you should hook up to a real big fish. So let's talk about how you approach those. Uh, bait balls. You're not yeah. driving smack bang through through the middle well, of the mar- are you? If you if, if you're on the lures, you want to sort of work around them and drag the lures sort of on the edges of them. That's how I attack each each and every bait ball. But if you are dropping baits in, the bait ball will literally sit under the boat. Some days off Port Mac, I have I've had three to fifteen boats sitting on a bait ball, and the bait ball just doesn't move. And you're just marking up barrels, drop your bait in, and you could be the lucky person that hooks up. So it's about utilizing. I guess, whatever happens on the day. So if the bait ball's holding up and trying to protect itself under the boat, that's ideal because you can then scoop up bait also. And what I mean by scoop, you can get a net, scoop up red bait, chuck in your live bait tank, and then you can drop baits in of exactly what they're feeding on. That is the best method to get yourself these big fish. Now, the problem is when you do hook up, you're going to have boats around you off a bait ball. So you try and drive and sit on top of the fish. Originally, try and sit on top. Just try and stick to it so that people know where the fish are. Uh, 
you can try and drive out of it, which is all good, but then no one else can see you're lined. I like to try and sit on top of the fish as much as possible. Uh, fishing inland in South uh, – sorry, fishing inland the urban lake in South Australia, there's been plenty of carp on offer, Pat. Now, I say that, and I'm not joking, carp are really fun to catch. They fight hard. They pull hard. But not only that, you can do a bit of environmental work and you can uh, take them out of that waterway if you Dispatch wish to. Them. As a kid, I never used to. Don't say that because I wanted to go back and catch them again. But it was it was always – they're always good fun to catch. Chuck your corn on your hook. Now, I always find the more unweighted you go, the more carp you catch. So don't go out throwing a three, four-ounce sinker. Try and get like a tiny little snap snap. Oh, what do you call them? The uh, ones you're breaking – the ones you crunch in half, Pat? What are they? Snap swivels. Uh, snap sinkers. The ones that you crunch in half. These little tiny ball ones. And you just put them on. And then that way there, you're going to sink your corn or your bit of bread down. And that's the best way to get yourself some carp. Heading to Queensland, Pat. Fishing off the rocks at Tweed. There's been some huge jewfish that have been landed on big hard body lures, Redden, which it's not unusual, but it's it's great to see yeah. that it's not always massive baits that you need to to use and you just sit there for a couple of hours at a time. It's always the most exciting form of fishing when you're casting really big bodied lures and there's something sitting under it and lurking under it that's gonna go whack. Yeah, I was in shock when I seen the photo. It was he caught two the guy that I seen caught two fish and they would have had to have been I don't know, maybe like 35 pound each, like 15 kilo. They were massive fish and they were both caught on like a stick bait. And I couldn't work out what stick bait it was, but it bloody weird. Like I've never, I've heard of hard bodies in sort of, uh, I guess in like Glenelg River in Victoria where they use, you know, those little hard dive body divers, Pat, they get them on there. Yep. These were proper big stick bait. Anyway, it worked and he caught them. Uh, Groper Creek again on fire, Pat, with great barramundi coming out of there also. But like great size, but also really good numbers too. So that's always a good option as well. Heading over WA. Yeah, Perth Fishman has landed a fish of a lifetime landing a bass groper, which was 52 kilos off Rottnest Island. Took him 40 minutes to reel in. That's a big fish, Redmond. It was, and it's literally gone on every news site that possible right around <laughs> the country. So It was uh, leading the news cycle in, uh, in Western Australia, so it just shows you how well – Fishing is embraced in the West. It's that's of you see him caught out of New Zealand on all the charter boats out there. That is a massive fish, fifty-two kilo of literally. I'm going to say of slob. Like it's a big ball of nothing. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's forty minutes to wind in, and they reckon they taste absolutely unreal. So I'm tipping that's not going to waste. Uh, heading to Tassie, the fishing out of. I'm, I'm not going to go into a full report of Tassie of the game fishing side of things. I want to have this discussion with Lockie soon, Pat, and I'll let him explain what's going on yep. and how it sees it happen. But we're just going to talk about low head at the moment. The school tuna divers are working the best out of there. And the Derwent in back inland is fishing really well with brim, with soft plastics and little hard bodies doing their best work uh, on the brim side of things. We spoke about uh, well, we've spoken about everywhere except Victoria, Redmond, the Murray River, and this is straight from uh, our good mate Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle. But Pat Conlon fished at uh, Murraydale last weekend, landing an 80-centimetre and 110-centimetre cod on black and purple lures. Uh, one of the orgies, Redmond, which are very, very popular up there. Yes, um, it is. Jordan Kerr landed a 98 centimetre at the top end of the floodway on a 75 mil uh, Kudafara mud honey lure. 
your voice is nowhere. We're going to have to get JC on. I like JC when he does this report. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Wakul River, uh, there's been some reports of decent size. Uh, Yellow's getting caught at a uh, – is it Kylite? Yeah, Kylite, I reckon you're spot on, yep. Uh, and the river's pretty clear at the moment, which is good uh, for lure-based fishing at the moment. Uh, but once again, some really nice captures all around that sort of meter mark, Redmond, which is, of course, that's sort of your, your golden capture. Yeah, and this week's photos, he's posted some photos up of those fish there. They are big fish. Like 110 centimetres of cod is a really big fish, and we are in those winter months, and it's only going to get better to see. And if you are chasing those Murray cod, do not forget those Murray freshwater craze that we spoke about at the start of the show too because they are a ripping fish to eat. Beautiful work, Redman. Let's get to the social club. We take your questions from social media. We'd love when you engage uh, with Aaron and, and I send us in questions, whatever it might be, whether it's fishing, boating uh, or outdoor related. The first one is from Ruben. Hi, guys. Love the show. I'm looking at getting into a 13 to 14 foot tinny for myself and my two sons. Uh, I don't have a big budget and I'm wondering uh, if you would buy two stroke if funds depended on you getting a boat or not. Uh, 100% yes on a smaller tinny. 100% yes. Uh you get a little saltwater series or something like that. It just doesn't are, matter on a small boat. Like I don't think it does, no. Uh, reliability, I guess, does come into a factor, but uh, it it does – I don't know. I, I'm, I reckon you'll be all right. I reckon you'll be no worries whatsoever if it caters for the budget. Well, I've got a 30-horsepower two-stroke on my 13-foot uh, Vino's pun. It's a cracker. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And as long as you keep as long as you keep it running, it's Servicing. absolutely fine. Yep. Yeah, servicing as well. All right, Danny. Uh, when designing side pockets for your boats, boys, what factors did you take into account? I'd like to store my rods in mine, uh, but I'm not sure whether they will get too banged up. Cheers, Danny. Yeah, it's a good question. It's something you a- and I having the conversation with at the moment for your boat, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like, and majority of the time, so. On my 750, and I know you've got this on yours, Redmond, we've got them designed. So the rod holders are literally screwed to the side gunnels and you can sit your, whether it's your Tiagra 50 wides or whatever it might be, they sit upright. So they're not sitting in the actual side pocket itself. So you're talking about the combing racks on the inside of the Sorry, the combing racks, exactly right, yep. Versus, um, you know, at different stages, and I've got these in my boat. I don't have it on on one side because there's the side door. door. I've um, got it on both sides of mine. Yeah, that you can have um, them stacked horizontally, but they they do bang a bit. That is one of the considerations to to take into account. I mean, does it bang any less than sitting at the front of the boat? Well, you know, the bow's going to bang more than the stern. But the beauty, if you're sitting it up in the cabin, then they're just sitting on the cushion, aren't they? Yeah, and our storage is – I didn't get to design my boat exactly how I wanted it just due to the fact of COVID. It was just yeah. the way it was. I couldn't go to South Australia and work in the road. It just is, it is what it is. It was one of those things. Uh, I'm in the process of, like I said, the new 650, and a lot more will come into detail with that. But in your boat, having the size of the cabin there, we can put some sort of structure in there that the rods sit in, but I still think on the day out, I reckon we would probably take them out and put them up top rather than tra- – Yeah, you do. Yeah, I think we'll get them out. Yep. I don't think we would – not your snapper rods and whatnot. You'd probably leave them in as such. But if we're running with, say, 450 wides in there and a couple of 80s, that's a lot of weight banging around. So I reckon on a day if we were to head out, you'd probably either 
get it. Not maybe in the bay, you probably wouldn't. But if we're heading offshore and copping a bit of banging, you, I think bringing them out is the most important thing, so you don't damage the rods and reels. Yeah, and I think if you, if you are gonna so fish for tuna or, or or game fish, then make sure you have one of your your rod holders in your rocket launcher reinforced because if, I learned this lesson on my old 650 that it wasn't and we ended up bending at Redmond because we spent so much time with that that shotgun at the top um, that it that it bends particularly if you're using a big a big 50 wide yeah they everything everything needs to be reinforced in stainless and I know the first lot of stainless I got on my boat I'll be honest it didn't hold up to my to my I had cracks in both sides and driving back from Eden it actually cracked and fell and it cost me i had to rip my whole bimini and i spent thousands refixing everything so i got it reinforced so i got also double racks at the top pat so because if you're going to put sorry if you're going to put eight rods of oh, the rods know, wake game proportion then exactly and then you add in just how hard you fish you know designing it for what sort of fishing you do is a yeah. really important part yeah and i reckon that's a good a good question from danny so if you are getting a boat make sure you design it for yourself i know people that go casting and freshwater whatnot they have actual rod lockers in their boat in their floor under their casting platforms so that's if you yep. are into river fishing maybe get it designed so you've got i guess um where your casting platform is and where your live bait tank set up and whatnot you've actually got areas where you can put your rods and lay them in there and they don't get rattled around because the graphite will break on on the boats these days they're not made out of much let's be honest Beautiful work, Redman. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, send it in to our social club and Real Adventures, whether it be our app, uh, our Real Adventures app that you can download from anywhere that you download your apps or our social media channels. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Our special guest this morning is Lockie Nichols from Lockie Nichols Fishing, who's had one of the great years, Redmond. He's uh, just getting warmed up in my belief. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's had a fantastic season so far on some very, very good swordfish, as well as the bluefin tuna. Good morning, Lock. Good morning, boys. How are we? We're good. We uh, every time we see an update from you, it's either a monstrous swordfish, it's enormous tuna, it's socials fighting two hundred kilo swordfish. Is Tassie becoming close to the ultimate game fishing destination in Australia, given the lack of boat traffic compared to other states? Like it's quite incredible um, what you've been able to do this year, Lockie. Yeah, um, Tassie's definitely growing, or seems to be every year. The the more people that go out and target the fish, the, the more more fish that seem to be get, getting caught every year, which is um, unreal. It's, yeah, just untapped potential down here at the moment. Now, Locke, you've been out there chasing these swordfish. Now, I've seen you've, you've been getting multiple hookups each time, but trying to get them to stick can be challenging, as you know. But I've noticed that you've been using – Different types of Lumo skirts to help, I guess, be more effective when you're dropping down to such deep waters to sort of match the hatch in a way. What is your opinion on those? And take us through what you've been doing. 
Uh, well, it all started about a year ago um, when a mate of mine purchased a lure company that makes their own lures, and they make their own skirts as well, and they've designed a couple that are designed to look like squid, like how they glow in the dark. There's a Lumo purple and a Lumo blue that look really attractive, and um, I was lucky enough to talk them into sending a couple my way and uh, sent them down, and seems to be, yeah, really consistent success with them. Um, I just think that little bit of extra natural sort of look about it uh, seems to work a lot better than just the, the typical green bland sort of Lumo look. And what's the, the name of the company, Lockie? Uh, Meridian Tackle, they're called. Uh, just a sort of a, a family a family company uh, just running out of Snug in Tasmania. How good, Redmond. Um, now, for those that aren't aware of sword fishing and, and how it occurs, is there is a bit more to it than just what people have seen in this in the perfect storm with George Clooney uh, sort of doing his best work. But can you take us through the preparation that you put in uh, for a day sword fishing? Because it clearly doesn't start the morning of when you're launching the boat. There's a huge amount of preparation that goes into a successful sword fishing expedition. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, probably weeks in advance, we're out there fishing for, for baits, fishing for arrow squid and uh, like small tuna, uh, slimy mackerel. Um, and then uh, while they're still fresh, we rig them so that they're ready to go. Um, so that when when you hit the water, your, your rigs are ready. All you need to do is attach your baits to your hooks and send them straight down. So you'll rig them the night before, or are we talking sorry, weeks I lost in you advance? There, sorry. So so will you rig them the night before? Are we or are we talking once you catch them weeks in advance? You'll literally rig them up whilst they're still fresh, and then you'll freeze them, and then obviously thaw them out for the next time that you go fishing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So um, while they're still fresh, we're stitching them up and then getting them ready to brighter rig um, that morning when we're heading out to fish. So just when you're, you're preparing the bait to go down, like obviously you're fishing hundreds and hundreds of metres of depth. Um, are you using bricks, rocks? How are you actually getting the, the bait um, to the bottom where the, the swordfish are feeding? Yeah, so I just use a, just a house brick, um, which I attached a little bit of uh, eight-pound line to send down to the bottom. Uh, once you get to the bottom, all, all it really takes is a couple of wines on your reel and that should just pop off uh, with the water pressure. Now, Lockie, you've mentioned uh, off-air, actually, that this year has been quite different to other sword uh, sword fishing seasons. You're actually catching multiple big barrel bluefin tuna as bycatch when you are targeting uh, the swordfish. They're taking your baits, which you haven't actually seen before. What's your opinion on that? I just think there's a lot more big fish that are, are moving through at the moment. Um, a lot, yeah, a lot of those tuna are pushing wide. Um, just to, due to the currents that we're getting at the moment, we're get, getting some unreal currents sort of pushing through, which is obviously holding those big fish. Uh, it's gotten to the point there where a couple of times we've had to run um, like tuna, like little tuna, to try and avoid catching the big tuna just to get through them to catch the swords. It's unreal. <laughs> Yeah, right. And what's your advice for those that are keen to get into sword fishing, Lockie, that haven't done it before, they've got a bit of experience on the water? Um, what's your sort of your best tips in regards to giving it a crack? Well, I think the most important thing is just go on YouTube and just watch watch how other people do it. It's just, um, really important to try and yeah learn, learn as much as you can from other fishermen um, before you head out there because it, it is a – very steep learning curve trying to chase these swords. It's just a, a whole nother ball game, really. And would you suggest fishing for them in a tinny like you did about a week ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a perfect, perfect opportunity, really. It was a, a full glass out, so we uh, couldn't say no. 
And, and now, talk us through that because most people, when they think sword fishing, it's got to be in an enormous boat, but you've done it literally in an open tinny and I think it hit 92 kilos, terrific photo on uh, your Locking Nichols fishing Facebook page. Take us through that because that was pretty special. Yeah, well, um, we'd sort of talked about it for a while and um, the weather just lined up perfectly for us and the, the fish were obviously on the bite. So we bit the bullet and uh, sent sent the boat out wide, and that was actually uh, on our first drop too. So we'd only been there for probably about half an hour, hooked up, uh, caught that fish, and then we're back in time to go to the pub for lunch, which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> how do you um how how far are you actually travelling for these swordfish offshore out of where you're uh, launching from? Well, my go-to spot is basically straight east of Pirates Bay, so only about twelve miles out offshore. Twelve miles. That's not far at all patrick when you're considering <laughs> you gotta do i know someone that fished out of uh port Welshpool out of victoria here during the week and traveled 204 kilometers to get to where they were fishing so basically they were fishing right next to Lockie off the east coast of tasmania anyway so there's a uh, there's a lot of kilometers out there to be done if you do want to chase swordfish but tasmania where Lockie runs his charter you don't have to travel out as far how do we get in contact with you Lockie, if we do want to go out and chase these swordfish with you uh, the best thing to do is uh, contact Personalised Sea Charters, uh, which is uh, 62503370, or you could uh, look them up online at personalisedseacharters.com.au. Perfect. There you have it. Beautiful work, Redmond. And, uh, Locke, thanks again for your time. Uh, if you want any more information, once again, Lockie's just gone through it now, but head to uh, Lockie's Facebook page. It's quite extraordinary to see some of the best-looking fish in the sea. Uh, thanks for your time this morning, Locke. Thanks a lot, boys. Catch you later. Lockie Nichols fishing. He's out on the boat as we speak. We like to bring it uh, as live as we possibly can, Redmond. Uh, that was all aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's time for Red's Review for Club Marine. What do you have for us this morning, Redmond? Patrick, you put me under the limelight. Then you looked at me as if I was meant to bring it in, changing things up. I've got the adjustable tow ball hitch, which is around $120. Now, yes, I like this. I like think this. this is important with your boat. I do a lot of – now, your boat is legal for me to tow when I haven't got much in it. It is. It, uh, it comes yep. under that three and a half. But I towed your boat down to Port Mac a few months ago, or say a couple months ago, and uh, with a Land Cruiser. Now – this is something that I think you can, so the one I'm reviewing is up to three and a half ton. The reason I, I reviewed this one is because a, a majority of cars are three and a half ton, but you can get all different sizes up to four and a half to eight ton, whatever you want to get. But each boat sits at a different height on a trailer. So yes. now your, yep. your, your boat and trailer sits so much different to what my boat and trailer would sit on my car. So when I was towing, when I tow, for instance, with the land cruise that we use with my, with my boat, I need it to be lower. I needed to get it down lower to be able to get it on nice and easy for the jockey wheel and just the way that it travels. Where with your with your trailer, when I put it on the same hitch at the same the same adjustable the same height that it was at, it was actually sitting too low, and I didn't like how close it was to the ground. I know lower the better, but I wouldn't have been able to get over like well if I wanted to go up a slight gutter for instance to get into a caravan park or whatever it was, I wouldn't have been able, I would not have been able to do it. So this adjustable tow hitch. I think it comes with three or four different sizes depending on which brand you get. But like I said, they're between 100 and 150 bucks, and you can literally change it on the spot by pulling one pin out 
and you can adjust the exact height to the need for whatever you're towing. Even if you do caravan towing or even if you have a trailer that needs to go into the tip with to get rid of some rubbish, I think this is a must-have for any standard ute or tow vehicle out there, and it's going to save you so much time and effort on wear and tear on your tires and everything because everything will be towing so much better, Pat. How do you find it, Reben? Where did you find uh, this? I literally went smack bang to Google and typed in adjustable tow ball hitch, and I reckon it come up with about 20 different options. So there was so many different options out there. The exact one I found was on outbackequipment.com.au. It was $122, and there was plenty of other options, like I said before, of exactly what uh, what's going to suit your car and whatnot. But from what I'm reading here, it suits all if you have the right uh, the right actual tow ball setup driving from underneath your car. Beautiful work, Redmond. That is Red Review for Club Marine. That was Red's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We've got a nice gaff coming up here, Redman. But before we get to that red tip for the weekend, um, I'm assuming it's, it's got- at least put a jacket on. <laughs> Two jackets. It's uh, picking your target, not getting distracted. Now, we've spoken about this off the show many times over the years, Pat, but I've noticed during the week a lot of people are heading down to Port Mac to chase barrel bluefin tuna. And a lot of them are getting distracted with the school fish, which is all good. But if you, I've got a one guy that in particular that I'm speaking to. He's gone down and targeted him and lost a few, blah, blah, blah. But I noticed that on his social media platform that he was using, he's never caught a barrel before, and all he wants to catch is a barrel. But I've seen him casting stick bait, plastics, sorry, plastics and stick baits at school tuna. Now, this fella, all he wants is a barrel. And I said to him, why did you, why, if you want a barrel, why are you stopping the boat and casting plastics and whatnot at at tuna, school tuna. He goes, oh, I don't know, a bit of fun. I said, oh, that's all. I'm, I understand that's fun and whatnot. But if you want to specifically target something, make sure you commit to it because once you chop and change, you've got to reset all your gear, put all your lures out, and start again. It's like particularly when you go with something water, like barrel fishing, where it it takes time. It takes time and effort to put in. And if you want that fish, if that's what you're aiming to target. You will catch more of them if you target them. If you get them as a bycatch and they take the big lures or they take your live bait, that is what it is. That's different. But yeah. if you actually stop the boat and specifically change your whole method for the day, it's going to take you another trip to get that fish because that hour or two hours you've spent casting could have been the bite time that you actually got your fish. And it sounds stupid, but there's not much day in the days at the moment. So it, yeah. it doesn't no, get but- till 8 o'clock and it's dark at bloody 5 o'clock. So you actually lose two hours. All of a sudden, you may as well launch at 10, 10.30, have a sleeping. Yeah. So you're losing bite times, especially early in the morning, late afternoon when it's the best time to get a fish. It's the same as whiting. I don't go whiting fishing and see a school of salmon and go, oh, crap, let's go have fun on salmon and then come back to the whiting then all of a sudden they're gone. Pick your target for the day. Have your plan of attack with your tides. All right, we're targeting whiting today while the tide's running. When the tide stops, the whiting will stop feeding. We're going to go for the squid over that slack water. We're going to have a nice drift. When the tide kicks back in, we're going to anchor up and get some beautiful gummy sharks. So have your plan, stick to it, and you're going to catch more fish. And sorry, Pat, that took a little bit longer, but it was a little gaff in there too. Beautiful work, Redmond. Now, the gaff this week, you sent this through during the week, but uh, uh, Sean Mulcahy 
uh, put up a post on Facebook during the week, and uh, it reads as this. 11 years I've worked uh, at the Launching Way boat ramps, and I thought I'd seen it all until today. He's got an accompanying photo of a homemade, and video, of a homemade pontoon with no rego, no safety gear. And by the looks of it, Redmond, as soon as it's launched, the bracket, the homemade bracket that the motor sits on has collapsed and the boat started or the pontoon started uh, sinking. So perhaps leave the construction and vessel construction to the experts next time, boys, <laughs> because uh, you get our really benches gaff of the week and uh, one of the funnier things that we've seen on socials this week, Redman. It is. I think it's funny that <laughs> the engine fell in the water. <laughs> Oh, we do our hardies to get engines these days. <laughs> Just well, exactly right. That's that's a twenty-five horsepower engine. They're about twenty-five grand now, so uh, <laughs> the, the boys are going to have to delve into the pockets. Hey, uh, thanks for your company this morning on Real Adventures. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.